0: what's going on everybody welcome into 104.3 the fans coffee break you're going to be seeing this group right here a lot in the next upcoming weeks because this will be our training camp live group cecil lammy andrew mason and rachel Beale all hanging out with you on this friday gentlemen how we both feeling as we're getting closer and closer to training camp cecil
1: i'm a little tired i'm a little wired But I am super excited for training camp as always. I'm excited to be back on Coffee Break. Excited to be on with Mace on Training Camp Live. I'm excited to blast Seattle reporters that talk nonsense uh, about Russell Wilson. Like, let's go.
2: Yes. You know, I mean, I'm willing to forgive the Seattle reporters a little bit because I'm trying to see it from their perspective. You've got to talk yourself into – the Geno Smith-Drew Locke competition, and some of that means you've got to say, okay, well, maybe it wasn't quite as good as it might have seemed earlier. So the psychology of it, I I understand. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad that our problems here in Denver, from the fan perspective and also from the media perspective, covering uh, uh, these quarterbacks the last few years, I'm glad our problems are someone else's problems this summer.
0: Yeah, you know, we were talking with Stacy Ross, and we said we're kind of tradesy because they're kind of in a somewhat 50, 50, Although it sounds like Geno Smith has the starting job, and here we've now got Russell Wilson, um, hopefully our quarterback for the next ten years. So it's interesting that kind of flip that we're all talking about. Where, yeah, she mentioned too a lot about how the fans. I don't think they're really going to understand what this means because they've always had somebody who was a Hall of Fame quarterback in Russell Wilson. Mace.
2: Yeah. Uh, if if you're a young fan, if you're a if you're a sixteen-year-old Seahawk fan, you don't know what it's like. And actually, if you're a mid-20s Seahawks fan, you don't know what it's like because you had Matt Hasselbeck, who was pretty good and got them to a Super Bowl. So I mean they're they're stepping into a void here that I mean I mean Cecil, I guess you'd probably have to say it goes back to when they were shuffling between like John Kitna and then and others and then they had Trent Dilfer for a minute before, Hasselbe- before Hasselbeck for right. Hasselbeck established himself I mean really you gotta go Remember back to Rick
1: Meyer conversation right, That's right. Oh, Rick yeah. Meyer, number two overall behind Drew Bledsoe there was a debate like who was the better quarterback and then mm-hmm. you know, post Jim Zorn and a little dash of Dave Craig but here's the thing and it's not just the reporter you had on I've seen plenty of Seattle people just lie about russell like you can be like oh he's super corny or whatever like dude that's fine don't lie and there's so many misconceptions mace you know the data i know the data there Mm -hmm. is zero advanced data that says that russell wilson held onto the ball too long zero not snap to pass not time before pass not time in pocket is time in pocket shorter than josh allen so if you're gonna say like okay he's corny whatever that's you know your opinion fine If you're going to say he holds on to the ball too long, you're just lying. So to quote Friday, as I'm either going to quote Friday or half-baked on every single show that I do, you ain't got to lie to kick it, Craig. You ain't got to lie to kick it. And if you're going to talk about Russell Wilson, just talk facts. But when I keep hearing this, he holds on to the ball too long. The film doesn't back that up. There is zero advanced data that you can bring to me that would back that up either. And that's what makes me mad. It's like, Seattle, you sound like a jilted lover. Like, okay, stop. It's ridiculous. Like, stop. You got Geno Smith and Drew Locke. You did this to yourself. You chose Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson. I don't feel sorry for you at all.
2: Seattle is the uh, the, the the person on the dance floor at a wedding who has just endured a breakup And is singing along to, I will survive at the top of their lungs. (laughs) (laughs) That's the twelves right now.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. So when you really look at this trade, and I think all of us here in Denver, we would probably agree that it feels like we're in the honeymoon phase with Russell Wilson and Seattle is going through a divorce. So they're looking at all of the bad things, but or Cecil you said they chose Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson if we just had to look at their perspective why would you choose Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson
1: they have ownership problems something that we don't have to worry about anymore like think of how that flipped as well they have ownership issues uh they don't want to spend the money they knew it was going to be big and the Kyler deal actually doesn't have anything to do with Russell's deal Kyler and Russell are different quarterbacks when Lamar Jackson gets his money And he's his own agent, which is ridiculous. Somebody needs to talk to Lamar and be like, go get an agent. Okay, when Lamar Jackson gets his money, that's not going to have anything to do with – Russell Wilson's on a different stratosphere. He's different. You saw Kyler. Kyler didn't get fully guaranteed. Russell will get fully guaranteed. Seattle didn't want any of that. So they went cheap. And, oh, we go with the old school guy. And Russell – was you know the good teammate. He was the good uh, quarterback or he just listened to what they did. Once in a while, they'd let him do his thing. They never really did. One season, he was top 10 in passing attempts. He led the league in touchdown passes. It was 2017. So like he tried to make it work, but they just wanted to keep Pete Carroll because they're cheap.
2: Yeah, and it's funny. I wrote yesterday about the Kyler Murray contract, and in that story, I end up writing more about Deshaun Watson's contract because like Cecil said the full guaranteed every dollar of Deshaun Watson's contract is fully guaranteed that's that's the template that we're we're going by right now i mean the only thing you may have learned from the Kyler Murray contract is basically okay what what's the floor for Russell Wilson that's probably that's probably it but aside from that i don't and 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 the chances of him having a floor contract are minimal he would have to have a, a season in which he steps back from his norm of the last few years. And while I don't think this is going to be his best season in orange and blue this first season, I don't think he's going to have a season that doesn't look like the last few years when his passer ratings over a hundred. He's throw, he'll throw about, he'll throw in the neighborhood of 30 tu- of 30 touchdowns and uh, eight to t- an eight to 12 picks have a year that probably that has a good chance of him being in at least Pro Bowl consideration. so and if, and if that's the case, if his year looks like the last few years, there is no discount coming for the Broncos.
0: And I've already asked Cecil this, Mace, but what do you think Wilson's contract will look like?
2: Uh, I, think, I think he will be at at least $50 million a year in terms of average value. And I think it's kind of a round number, but I think he set, he, he'll settle in at, at uh, 5 or 250 every dime guaranteed.
0: And Cecil, so is that
1: still on mark kind of what you think? Yeah, if you get that, that's a bargain.
2: Yeah. If you
1: get five for 250 fully guaranteed, you're like, hey, we got a deal.
2: You probably have to do that now or in the next two or three months. Mm-hmm. months. Yep. Because yep. if he has By the a good- bye
1: week, if they're undefeated – sorry, Mace, I do oh. this a lot. If they're undefeated <laughs> the bye week, the price just went up.
2: So oh. You, get, you really? get, get
1: this thing done on August 9th, get this thing voted in, get that big check printed up from Ed McMahon, and get going, Robson Walton and everybody else that owns this team, like, pay this man, or it's just going up.
2: It's, a, it's probably a more immediate priority than figuring out the stadium because it's not like you're losing money in, your, in the current stadium, A, and B. The price of quarterbacks is accelerating higher than the price of building a stadium.
0: Mm-hmm. Did George Payton fail by not having anything in the contract extensions when they had this trade go through and waiting, Cecil?
1: How do we know he didn't? Um, I'm always a conspiracy theorist or just realist and understand how business is done. Like they probably had some conversations like, hey, let's get this ownership done. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were conversations that were even specific and like five for 250. Hey, that sounds like a good number. We're going to really hammer it out. And these are conversations with his agent because this happens all over in the league. There's no tampering. Okay, that's Uh fine. But we don't do this type of deal without having an idea. So George Payton is a planner. Okay. Mm-hmm. George Payton knows what he's going to do in next year's draft. At least he knows, you know what he'd like to do. So like he already thought of this. There's probably been at least internal conversations, Mace, in my opinion, where it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is our number. This is kind of what we like. Let's get this, the, the ownership thing. Let's get that done. And then boom, here's mm-hmm. where we can go to Russell's agent. Maybe in the fall, Maybe right as soon as the you know the season's over, whenever that is. Hopefully after the Super Bowl. Like, but if it's that, then your number expanded, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could you could win a Super Bowl this year. Everyone needs to stop Tyler specifically. Tyler Paloma's a, bur, 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 he's barking at me, man. You you could do that. That's within the realm of possibility this year. It's time to dream again, Broncos fans. You've been hurt. It's time to believe again. And if you win a Super Bowl and you don't have a contract done that's when george payton has made a mistake i think george payton already kind of knows what he's got to pay
2: yeah and i think he probably like he like you say he's probably already had these conversations and said look right now with ownership we can't do this just yet until it's finalized because you are talking about all that money you're gonna have to put in escrow for every dime is guaranteed and that's and while the broncos in the last few years, they have been fine in terms of cash flow and in terms of what they need to do. It wasn't a problem to put the money in escrow for Cortland Sutton or DJ you know, DJ Jones. Name the name the contract. But you are talking about potentially $250 million, and then you pay fifteen probably pay fifty million in terms of cash in the first year, and then the rest you put in escrow. And that may have been something that was out of the reach of the current resources with the Pat Boland Trust. Not out of reach for any of the owners that you were talking about. So I'm sure they let, they've had some groundwork conversations knowing it couldn't happen. Shoot, as I've, as I've been told guys, a lot of things were kind of on hold because of ownership in terms of even insignificant things like. Having a throwback uniform this year, as I was told, that's not happening. It's one of those things they want to wait on. Not even having a Ring of Fame inductee this year with everything going on with ownership, thought, okay, that was one of the considerations. Let's put it on pause. So if small things like that are on hold until you get this done, it stands to reason something big like Russ's contract is going to be on
1: hold. And I will interject and just say Russ knows – You know, what's up because, and Orlando told this story a couple of times, so I feel comfortable telling it. Orlando's house is for sale. I'm not going to, he doesn't want everyone to know the number, but it's, it's quite large. It's double digit in the millions. And Russell Wilson and Sierra came over to look at his place before they bought their place for double digit in the millions. Mm -hmm. And Orlando was talking to Russ's agent. was like, Hey, here's the number. And his agent said that's not a problem because he's going to sign a contract and retire a Bronco, so the the, the mm-hmm. wheels are already in motion. Yeah, you know if, if Russell Wilson is, is capable and no problem buying a multi like double digit million dollar home uh, mm-hmm. in Denver because he wants to retire Bronco, you know the the wheels upstairs aren't in motion with both sides. Russell Wilson's a very smart businessman. His agent is his only guy. Like that, he's a smart businessman. George Payton's a thinker. George Payton's a planner. He's way ahead of the game. This has all been planned out. We just got to wait for the right time.
2: Yeah. Okay. And the other thing, yeah, Broncos country, real quick, has got to. I know they're going to, everyone fans are going to see the numbers when they come down. They're going to be like, whoa, especially compared with Peyton Manning. First of all, it's been a decade. Second of all, you got a discount on Peyton Manning because he had five neck surgeries. Yeah. And literally, he was going year to year with a physical. Every March to determine whether he was going to get the contract picked up for another year or not. You're not, Russ doesn't have anything like that. So you're not getting that kind of cut rate.
0: Okay. I'm going to be kind of a little out there on this question, Mm -hmm. but say Russ never wins a Super Bowl here in Denver. Does he retire a Bronco or will he retire a Seahawk? In your personal opinion, Cecil?
1: Well, I'll say this he's never had a chance to redeem himself for Super Bowl 49. Mm You know, there there are things that drive Russell Wilson that don't drive Lamar Jackson, that don't drive Kyler Murray, that don't drive, well, uh, you know, Josh Allen, because he's never been there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Wilson, you know, that to say that, I, I don't think that's possible. I'm not even a Broncos homer or a Broncos fan, but I just, I look at it, and I'm like, not the way this guy is driven.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: as far as retiring, technically, I'm sure Mace will tell you, they don't really retire as one team or the other in the NFL. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think his final snaps will be for the Denver Broncos. I think that's what he wants, and I think that he will win more championships here than he did in Seattle.
2: Yeah, the whole retirement thing is ceremonial. You go and sign the one-day contract. Like Steve Atwater did that uh, 22 years ago after spending a season with the Jets. Um, as for, But you know, Peyton Manning didn't do that. He didn't go – be a ceremonial Colt for a day. He retired as a Bronco. And I think there are, there are obviously a lot of interesting connections between Russ and Peyton. And one of them is the fact that both of them feel like they were kind of spurned at one point, Peyton by the Colts, not bringing him back Russ by North Carolina state, not wanting him back, even though Russ spent only one year at Wisconsin. It's not that he's not proud of NC state, but there's a reason why he's Russell Wilson from Wisconsin because there's, a, there, there's still that little bit of edge there and, uh, and frustration with how things ended at NC State. And I think if things go as well as we expect them to in Denver, there's going to be that little chip on the shoulder with Seattle and he's just going to retire a Bronco.
1: Mesa's probably experienced this more than me, but both of, uh, both of us have interviewed thousands of players. There's one player that's ever puffed up to me. It's Russell Wilson at the Senior Bowl the day after the Broncos lost to the Patriots in the playoffs with Tim Tebow as their quarterback. Mm -hmm. I knew Denver liked him because Denver did like him. They liked Brock that year. They liked Nick Foles, and they liked Russell Wilson. And so I asked Russell because I was asking every player, like, hey, I'm from Denver. What do you think about playing with Tim Tebow? I asked Russell Wilson, how would you like to come to Denver and back up Tim Tebow? And he stood up out of his chair and puffed up his chest. He's shorter than me, too. And I'm 5'10". But he's he's puffed up his chest. I want to be known as a passer. So that fire Mace talks about, that's been a long time. Yep. Um, Long time. This team will win multiple championships with Russell Wilson.
0: Well, this talk will definitely continue as we have training camp live, starting on day day one of training camp next Wednesday, 5.30 p.m. Every single day, you can catch all three of us any day there is practice. But let's move on now to you had to draft just one Broncos wide receiver for your fantasy league.
2: Who are you taking, Mace? Ooh, wow. Um, are we talking keeper league or are we talking uh, year to you know year to year? Uh, let's
0: do keeper league. Jerry Judy. Ooh, okay, Cecil.
1: It's Cortland Sutton. Now mm-hmm. we have to see what training camp. My answer may change. Am I allowed to change my answer? Uh, because right now I look at current average draft position and Jerry Judy's going off the board at wide receiver 29, six ten and 12 team PPR, which means the end of the sixth round, Cortland Sutton's going behind him at wide receiver 31, seven Oh three. Uh, that's the beginning of the seventh round and 12 team points per reception leagues. To me, Sutton's the better value in terms of that ADP with Judy, we got to see him healthy. We know Russ is going to give him time to get open. Sutton looked like his favorite. It looked like, I don't think they're scheming Sutton open, but I think there's a package of plays that feature Sutton. We just don't know what Judy, because most of this offseason we did not see him practice with the team. So it's to be determined. It's a nice problem to have.
2: Yeah, it's it's nice. And I think I'm kind of rolling the dice here just based on, how Russ seems to be kind of looking out for Jerry Judy. Certainly, you know, we know all about what happened back in March, but Jerry got the few days with Russ by himself after, after when everyone else was there a week earlier and just kind of, sometimes you watch him in in practice. I think Russ is trying to kind of, is t- trying to bring Jerry Judy up a little bit. Now, we, we know he's a confident player. We know he's going, that Jerry Judy is going to put the work in. Things obviously haven't worked out for him, but I think he's trying to kind of boost his confidence a little bit because he sees the potential in number 10.
1: Yeah, and Tim Patrick's the best value at wide receiver 62. So basically at the yeah. end of your draft, you get him at 1403 right now, which is the third pick in the 14th round. Grab Tim Patrick. You know, is Jerry Judy going to be healthy? Is Cortland yeah. Sutton going to stay healthy? Tim Patrick's a wonderful value, and you want to throw a late-round dart? Patrick's my guy.
2: Especially if it's PPR, too. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get an answer as far as who's receiver number one this year. I mean, there's a scenario you can envision where one where Tim Patrick leads the team in catches, Cortland Sutton leads in receiving touchdowns, and Jerry Judy leads in receiving yards. Wouldn't it all surprise me if something like that takes place?
1: You could see Russell Wilson throw for 4,000 yards and not have a 1,000-yard receiver. They'd all be like 900 and some. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: Explain to me why. So I'm all Tim Patrick. We're calling him Mr. Consistent. I am all in on Tim Patrick. But why is no one willing to put him as the number one receiver? Who wants it first? I'll, I'll toss
1: it out to whoever. Well, from a fantasy perspective, I think Jerry Judy's uh, get people are expecting that Alabama pedigree to come forward. Mm-hmm. People have seen Cortland Sutton be a wide receiver, two basically, or a flex play, you know? So we've seen that before with Timmy Pats. Fantasy is kind of almost a year late sometimes where it's like, well, last year he did this. Well, last year doesn't matter. Plus, and we're not supposed to reveal what we've seen out at practice. I've, I've seen Tim Patrick catch everything thrown his way, but I've never seen things that look like, oh, that's a Tim Patrick play. That's designed for him. Oh, I haven't man. seen that. Again, back to that Seattle crap. Uh, what was the ESPN piece? We talked to 32 anonymous sc- scouts, which is the worst thing ever, that said Russell Wilson passes up wide open uh, You know, the first read. Uh, anyone who's played Madden or understands football in the slightest will know that if your first read is open, you're flipping throwing it. Okay. I've never seen Tim Patrick be that first read. So that's why for me. Yeah.
2: I mean, but he'll get that. The thing is, he'll get there. Russ will go, will go through his progressions and get to that second, that that second or third guy, no problem. And sometimes, and I think it's going to be a matchup thing. It's, it may look a little like Patriots running backs where, okay, who's got, who's got the better matchup one on one? Well, if, you know tim if tim patrick's going up against a a number 4 corner elevated to to the starting lineup because of inju- of injuries uh, tim patrick's going to have the day i think th- i think there's going to be especially until one clearly emerges i think it's going to be kind of looking at matchups week to week and and basically kind of handing the pot- baton as far as who's wide, wide receiver one and some weeks it's going to be tim patrick
0: Well, I like that you bring up the Patriots running back situation because now we need to get into the running back situation here in Denver. And everyone is assuming that Javante Williams is going to be running back number one and Melvin Gordon following it up. Although we've heard kind of Gordon doesn't want to do that. He obviously wants to be in the mix. Is there anything that's going to change that? Or is Javante the guy everyone needs to buckle down on Mace? I
2: think think Javante is the guy who's going to, going to get more touches, get more yards. Mm-hmm. I think the question is how they end up being used in the red zone. First of all, Melvin Gordon's got to work his way back up. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, like Cecil said, we're not supposed to say everything that we see. But when you looked at how the running backs were being shuffled in that week of minicamp, those two days uh, when Melvin Gordon was out there, it was clear they were telling Melvin, you've got to work your way back up. Because he was not split he was not splitting running back one carries with, with Javante Williams. So he's he's gotta do that. And then it's a question of how they see him. The one thing that Melvin Gordon has on Javante Williams is vision, especially in the red zone, in the compre, in the compressed area of the field. And if he continues to have that edge there, both as a runner and then as a receiving target, then you might be looking at a situation where Javante Williams has a lot more yards and a lot more touches, but it's parody or even Melvin Gordon having more touchdowns than Javante Williams, which is going to be a fantasy nightmare.
1: Yeah. That's where fantasy football is dumb. I remember (laughs) years ago before Adam Schefter became a fantasy maven and we were working together on KOA and I was telling Adam about fantasy. I was like, no, you want Leroy Horde. You don't want Robert Smith. And he's like, huh? (laughs) That's a fullback. Like, no, but Leroy Horde got the 10 touchdowns. Robert Smith would get you there. So maybe it's the same sort of thing and now Adams like a fantasy guru but anyway um been doing this a while Rachel but so I, I look at it it's Javante's show melvin it we're about to surprise cut time like uh, denverfan.com i'm not going to put melvin gordon on surprise cuts for me personally but i also know that if injuries happen around the league i've I look at all these running back groups and I'm like, very few teams have the asset that Denver has on their bench. Very few teams. New Orleans has a really nice stable and they're dealing with Alvin Kamara suspension. So not them, but there's a lot of teams that if one back goes down, you're picking up the phone. Melvin Gordon's price is really low. And I know nobody wanted him on free agency. The streets were cold as Orlando says. Um, But guess what? You now have an asset that could possibly be traded away. Demaria Crockett's not a slappy at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Mike Boone might've been the best player in training camp last year of any position. And and you've gotten rid of the God awful Pat Shermer offense. You have a real offense. That's really complicated. So when Melvin Gordon, who's missed time voluntarily says, wow, this offense is really complicated. I got to take my playbook home. Okay, man, where are you at on August 15th? Because if Baltimore has another injury in the backfield and they call you, you're picking up the phone if you're George Payton. So I'm not going to say surprise cut, but a trade asset to be sure. Melvin Gordon has talent, especially in the red zone. And teams would want that if they need it. Denver doesn't really need it because Javante could be – I always compare him to Nick Chubb. If Javante takes a Jonathan Taylor-like leap, I won't be surprised. I'm not predicting it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Based on his usage, the dude can get and oh, you save him like I'm sorry. I don't mean to sound harsh, but you don't do that with running backs. Use them up. Use them up. Sorry, you're a running back. That's just the way it is.
2: Yeah. The other thing also in terms of the depth there, one characteristic of outside zone offense is that when they're successful and this is going to be predicated on the offensive line finding its form. But when they're successful, a lot of running backs are plug and play. Look how deep the 49ers got into their depth chart the year that they won the NFC and you have anonymous back stepping in and the offense isn't missing a beat. When this scheme works, it very, it, it I hate to say it doesn't matter who the running back is because if you've got an elite guy as Broncos fans the Mike 90s. Davis. Exactly. If you got an elite guy, it can be something special, but you can be pretty good and more than functional with, with all respect to these guys, Alandis Gary, Ruben Drones, Mike Anderson. So, And those are those are guys that all came in those years from down the depth chart, stepped in, and were very productive. Uh, remember that one year that uh, Mike, by Shanahan, brought Tatum Bell back? Mm-hmm from selling cell phones. He's starting PJ Pope and they're still getting four and a half yards a carry. So that's the that's the genius of this scheme, especially with a highly effective quarterback who's going to be job one in every defensive game plan. Containing Russ is going to be a, is going to be what every coordinator is going to focus on. The running game is going to take a back seat. And so that's why if a team does call about Melvin Gordon, I think you listen because you trust the scheme and the ability to get production out of anyone you put in there. If knock on wood, uh, God forbid something happens to Javante. You know.
0: True. Uh, Lauren said in the comments, sixty-five, thirty-five, 35 Javante. So if that would be the case, would you pick up Melvin Gordon for your fantasy team? Cecil?
1: Uh, it depends on your scoring and your lineups. For me, I'm not necessarily doing that. I don't play in touchdown only leagues anymore. I don't think those should exist. There are some, there are some where they still have that. But with Gordon right now, he's running back 30, 34, 801. He's taken right after James Robinson, who's coming back from injury right after Devin Singletary, which I think is a mistake. I would take Devin Singletary a thousand times more than Melvin Gordon uh, in front of Chase Edmonds. Another mistake in front of Kenneth Walker. Another mistake. So for me, hell, I'd even take Michael Carter, who's Ramondre Stevenson. There's your Patriots running back, right? He's at running back 39. So. When I look at the players that are going around him, I go, I like those guys better than Melvin Gordon. So no, I I'm basically going to let someone else take Gordon. I
2: I would if if I had Javante, I would try to take Gordon uh, toward the back end of the draft, okay. just in just in case, just just to cover my bets because if something... because. The list of running, of running backs, young running backs who had potential, who had, uh, unfortunate injuries at some point in training camp or preseason. That is a very long list. And if that happens, you know, again, if, if something happens in the next month and Javante gets hurt, you plug Melvin Gordon right in and you're probably, and, You basically keep on chugging. So that's. Yeah. And it's a larger
1: strategy question, Mace, but you bring up something that's good for fantasy gems. If you're on a zero running back thing or you wait for your running back, Mm -hmm. if you take Javante and you take Melvin, that's fine. Just take it, think of it as backfields. I'm taking Buffalo's backfield. I love Devin Singletary. I'm taking James Cook as well because I want Buffalo. Think of it like Tecmo Bowl where they didn't have the rights to the names or it's like Buffalo running back. I want Denver running back. So, yes, based on your strategy, if you could pick up Melvin, let's say, in the 10th round, not in the 8th round, I like that ADP a lot better.
2: QB Eagles, baby. QB Eagles all the way.
1: Oh, he's great. He was great.
0: <laughs> okay, so say they do trade away, Melvin Gordon. Mike Boone, can he fill in that role, or is there another name that you see? So I know you mentioned one that could fill in that number, too.
1: Well, are you talking on the Broncos or off the Broncos? Because I got guys that are off this team that if they get cut, I'm if I'm George Payton, and this is my... I, because people are always like, you, do you want to be a scout? I'm like, well, uh, they travel 250 days a year and uh, you know, away from their families and stuff. I'm, and I'm too old for that now. But I would love to be a pro scout because I look at the rest of the league. I look at players that are out there. If New Orleans, and I'll bring up the Saints backfield for the second time in a row, if they dare try to sneak undrafted free agent Abram Smith through to the practice squad, I am scooping him up as fast as you can. Now, Mike Boone, the last time he was had a featured time, and it wasn't very much. It was one game. But, Mace, correct me if I'm wrong, it was 150 yards against Buffalo.
2: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. He had
1: one game where uh, I think Madison and Cook were both banged up. So, it was, hey, it's you're, you're the guy. And at 150 yards against Buffalo. So, yeah, Mike Boone, he's, he's incredibly gifted. It's just – Pat Schirmer didn't know what to do.
2: Yeah. And the other thing is this is a this is a who you know league. So if somebody like Patrick Taylor gets cut by Green Bay, right now he's probably their running back four. And if they move on from him, wouldn't it all surprise me if the Broncos did trade Melvin Gordon? They need somebody on the back end the Broncos brought. Kylan
1: him. Hill there in Green yep. Bay is really good. So I'm at the yeah Bowl.
2: Yeah. I don't know if the Packers are going are gonna to cut him, but if they did, then I, I, I think the Broncos would, would put in a claim on him, even if they did have Melvin Gordon.
0: Okay. So names to definitely be on the lookout for. So we're just going back to Melvin Gordon and mm-hmm. Mike Boone, though, real quick. Where How close in um, talent is Mike Boone to Melvin, Go- Melvin Gordon's status? Excuse me. Cecil.
1: I don't think it's close. Honestly, Melvin Gordon has a ton of talent. He's never played up to his potential. Ever. Mm -hmm. Ask Mace at Wisconsin. He was totally different back. Totally Mm -hmm. different back. And then I think the Chargers ruined him because they're like, plug it up inside. And he's not that guy. He was always 65% of his carries were outside the tackles in college. He was a speed guy. And then they tried to turn him in this power guy. He's still got the speed. I like Melvin Gordon's talent. I just wish things were a little bit different with him.
2: Yeah, the circumstances have rarely been right for him. I mean, really there, there's a reason why two of his best, uh, three per carry seasons have come with Denver because, you know, for, for all Pat Shermer did wrong, he at least got Melvin Gordon, the running back in, in situations that suited him best, which was getting outside the tackles, different type of back. But I honestly, I thought he, I, I think that he could have been as productive as a pro as Jonathan Taylor is. And I would in Indianapolis. And I would even say that Gordon a little bit better of a pass catcher in space than Jonathan Taylor is, but to their credit, the Colts knew what they had in Taylor used him properly. I still, I was just telling somebody this week, the, the thing that, that I look back on that I'm glad the Broncos didn't have to deal with. I'm glad that the chiefs took Clyde Edwards Hilaire, because man, if they had taken Taylor at the end of the first round in 2020, I think they look, I think they win the Super Bowl last year if they have Taylor instead of Edwards Allaire.
1: They might not have lost the Super Bowl if they got Jonathan Taylor.
2: Yeah, I mean because they would have had another gear that another gear of the offense that was inconsistent. Certainly, I don't think they blow the AFC Championship to the Bengals if they've got, if they've got Taylor to hand off to in the second.
1: No, half. they're up twenty one points. They can just yeah. squeeze it out with Taylor. Chiefs, yeah. the dynasty one. Hey, KC, we're coming for you.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, you know. But the thing is, sometimes when you win, you get too cute. You remember the Rams taking Trun candidate after they won uh, the Super Bowl back in 2000? layers kind of, yeah, same kind of pick.
0: Okay, okay. Well, that was the fastest 30 minutes ever, both of you gentlemen. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for Training Camp Live. Again, starting Wednesday night, every single day that there is training camp for the Broncos, we're here. p.m. Cecil, Mace, and myself breaking down everything you need to know. Lots of conversation. So make sure you tune in. And thank you guys all so much for hanging out with us this past 30 minutes. We will be back Monday morning, 10.30 a.m. Bye, everyone.